1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com
0: slash weight loss. The Squareball Podcast.
1: Hello there. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball I'm Dan Moylan hello Michael Normanton is with me hello and so is Moscow White Daniel Chapman hello if you like what we do and you want the full package you should have a look at uh, TSB plus maybe subscribe you get access to every digital copy of the mag we've done since 2009 all our podcasts ad free priority access to the match ball after every game and our exclusive subscriber only podcast the extra ball Daily email from Moscow with all the essential League United news as well, plus discounts on our merchandise. Plenty of bang for your buck, and it helps to support us as well. Details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Cancel your summer holidays, lads. Well, not that we've got them, but if you're Patrick Bamford, don't go anywhere, you're going to the Euros. Almost certainly, I think, now.
2: A bit harsh not to include him, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's just been announced, hasn't it? An extra three men are allowed in the squad.
1: Twenty-six man squad instead of twenty-three for the uh, for the Euros. It'd be nice if he got in, wouldn't it? I think it'd be just reward
3: for what's been a really good season. And Ailing, I think if they just use the extra places to have Leeds players in, I assume the French squad will now be taking Ilan Melier and uh, who else is going? I suppose this are uh, Wales have they qualified? Yes, they have because they're without a manager. Why? Because of reasons. And um, so Tyler Roberts will be well in uh, well installed in in their squad, it's going to be an absolute festival of Leeds United players and I think Gareth Southgate would be a fool not to take this opportunity to take more.
1: Well, it's nice to uh, not have the Super League breathing down our necks because all the chat last week was dominated by that when it came to football news and uh, we were heavily involved leading from the the front because our T-shirts that went around the world, they were first worn by us against Liverpool then other clubs in Europe started wearing them and now one has made it to the National Football Museum so we are leading where others follow. Is Jürgen Klopp
2: still moaning like a little bitch about them. <laughs> oh, you're not fairly wearing your t shirts
1: They sh- shouted at a bus, didn't they, Michael? Oh
2: Yeah, I, I saw that being reported. I think it was the Times this week referred to it as attacking their bus. Which no, was, we were nowhere near their bus. absolutely didn't happen. Some people shouted at a bus. What I think they're thinking of is when Liverpool's fans attacked
3: the Real Madrid coach, that, that didn't involve a window going through, didn't it? Didn't even have a saxophone soundtrack, that, did it? At least when you come to Leeds, you get some music. I know you've been chatting to Curtis Steigers
1: before on Twitter, Michael. Was <laughs> yes. Curtis was Curtis our phantom
2: saxophonist? He wasn't, unfortunately. He wasn't quite as high calibre, I don't think, the one down at Ellen Road.
3: The chance is still there for Curtis Steigers to make Jurgen Klopp's life even more of a misery. That would be one real benefit from the, uh, the Super League thing. If Jurgen Klopp, everywhere he goes from now until forever, he hears the hits of Abba played on the saxophone.
1: We've seen um, some fallout from... Uh, the Super League stuff like Edward Woodward 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 is leaving Man United and they want to take over uh...
2: Edward Wood's leaving because he believes in the pyramid isn't he he's a,
1: he's a big yeah there were no meetings in the run up to this where no. he was sort of being an advocate for it and
2: and certainly no associations he was a member of that he resigned from yeah. just ahead of this
1: but the, um, the Arsenal lot want them lot to sell up Cronké and they want Mr. Spotify in Daniel Eck which is a very short surname to come and buy them. He's got a lot of money, not quite as much as the Cronkies, but do you think this is tied into Spotify putting their prices up by a couple of quid a month?
2: I did notice that email and I was a bit, a little bit miffed. They did that thing as well of when they say to you they're doing it for your own good, when they put the price up. I
1: We're improving our service. Well, what is it you do? Are you giving me more stuff? No, you're not, are you? Are you
2: you paying paying the artists anymore? Probably not. Yeah, it, it has been pointed out to Arsenal fans that they'd be having another bad man on them one way or another, essentially. I mean, if you're... If you're a billionaire, you've, you've probably done something a bit iffy, haven't you?
3: I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that argument. He could be absolutely fine. But I think the the bigger issue is that nobody's actually looking into that. They're just looking at, he is rich, therefore he'll be good. It was a lot of the argument about um, Leeds' owners over the years. And when Radritzani came in, the argument there is, well, he's not got enough money. And it's turned out he he had plenty of money to do what needed to be done. and. It's not the level of wealth that is what's going to save Arsenal. It's whether the person running the club is any good at it or not. and that's what uh, they need to spend a little bit more time. Due diligence assessing, due diligence. It's not necessarily the fans' place to do due diligence on owners like you know it wasn't up to us to to check out whether GFH were the right people for Ken Bates to sell to because you know you can't stop it or do anything, but I think it is um, incumbent on Arsenal fans in this situation not to go just rushing from billionaire to billionaire just because this billionaire happens to have said he might be interested. What What if another billionaire says tomorrow that they're going to do it as well? There's kind of no criteria other than this person is very rich and says they might want to buy Arsenal. Right, sell it to them now. A lot of billionaires are mental, aren't they?
1: That's the thing that concerns me or would concern me if it was our football club. It's nice to have a billionaire in charge of your football club, but they don't have to give a shit about anyone. They really don't. See, I don't
2: think it is nice. This is this was the argument I used to make that I didn't want Leeds to get any richer. I just wanted everyone to get poorer. Because if, if the value of Arsenal now was like £50 million, pounds, there could be someone a bit more normal buying them or like a collection of people buying Arsenal that would maybe have its best interests at heart. Kroenke can only sell to someone else who is equally rich and that person isn't likely to be all that normal. They probably didn't grow up in North London and go to games as a kid and all that sort of stuff because the chances of that happening are just very slim.
1: Just holding the mirror up to ourselves all this last week and what we're seeing now with the the fallout from it and, like you said, the the madness involved in protesting against one billionaire because you want another. It's insane, isn't it?
2: This billionaire will buy us Erling Haaland, so we want that one instead. And actually, I'm dead glad that we are where we
1: are. We had to pay a really, really heavy price to get where we are, but I am increasingly of a mind to think all the shit, Bates, GFH, Chilino, League One, milling around in the championship for so long has opened the door by accident or by design to something really, really good because I'm not entirely convinced. If we hadn't completely wrecked everything that Marcelo Bielsa would have come here and gone, do you know what? This is a project that I can come in on and I can completely remould this club in my own image. And I'm having the nicest time at the minute. I don't know about you.
2: It is very good at the minute. I mean, it's it's when we're three years down the line and we're still ninth and people are getting pissed off and saying we but want, just, just we'd en- rather Saudi Arabia owned us because no. they can pump a load of just, oil money.
1: In. Just enjoy now, Michael. He's always telling us, Moscow is always saying to us, just enjoy the here and now.
3: And I like to think if he can teach the world anything, it's that because it's fuck all else. It's how you want the the game to kind of Go? do you want it to be down to who has an incredibly rich owner who can pay far too much money for this footballer or that footballer but I remember when Radrizani took over and I started getting some criticism because I was not criticising them and it's like well you, you know you've been hounding Bates and Chilino for years why aren't you having a go at this guy and I was like well because on the surface from what I could tell he was running the club the way I always wanted Chilino or Bates to do it, which was use the money that the club generates to run the club and make sure that the club is generating as much money as it can to do that. And that's kind of where I I don't understand why Arsenal or why this is what the way that the, the argument runs at the, the top level Arsenal with that stadium and all those fans and all the sponsorships and all the brand deals that they have and all the TV money, and playing in Europe every year, so the income they get from that, how they don't have enough money to buy every footballer they could possibly want, and it's that's what it's about: is you you build a club and you make it more successful, more money comes into that. It's dead simple, really, and it should be. People buy tickets and merchandise. That money gets spent on the team, and then the team gets better, so more people want to buy tickets and merchandise that should be football. I I like what we've done
1: at Leeds because we've done it under our own steam. That's what's kind of alluring to me now, that we haven't had somebody just come in and chuck the sovereign wealth of Abu Dhabi at it. It's easy to say that with hindsight because, you know, we'd have all loved somebody to come in and chuck a lot of money, I guess, at some point or another, but... We got back to the top table.
2: We just had Bielsa chucking all of himself into it, didn't we? Which yeah, and, turned out to be enough. But I think what Bielsa's
1: done and, and it taps into it taps into the the romantic side of you, doesn't it? I think that's what I really like about it because he's he's so pure, as we've said so many times, and he's such an idealist. And he's I don't know, he just he just seems
3: to lead by example.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm sure so- if you were a Bounsley fan listening to this, you would point out that Leeds have spent a fucking fortune,
3: and- but it's what we've spent the the fortune on. We invested all the money into the best coach available to build the best football team available rather than signing I was r- writing about um Pogba in my match report after the scum game and how they let him go to Juventus for what turned out to be 800,000 pounds and when they bought him back for 90 million pounds was it because he was a tremendous footballer or was it his marketing value you see a lot of the the teams the way Juventus's team is just a, the squad is a complete fucking mess because it's it's Ronaldo first, and then you build. You try to do something around what Ronaldo wants, and it's all based on how much money and leverage and what bank loans they can get because they've got Ronaldo in the team, and that's their first priority. And it, it trying to snap people out of that mindset, and I think it is increasingly becoming quite an old-fashioned mindset. It, Angus Kinnear's program notes, where he, talk, he he reeled off the list of teams that are frightening the big clubs into wanting to go and form a Super League. Leicester being run very well, coming up out of League One. Brighton, if they had a striker, they might be decent, but you know, from where they've come from, not losing money, not in any danger, not doing stupid things. West Ham, I mean, that stadium move is ridiculous, but getting into the Champions League just through Moyes and gradually sorting the state of the squad out so that now they're winning football matches. None of these clubs are doing or worrying about what Arsenal are still worrying about, where they're still playing, paying Meza Erzl's wages from ages ago and they've never, ever managed. How could, How is it possible for a club to make having Meza Ozil on your playing staff so difficult? Because he's a brilliant player and that should give you every advantage. And when that turns into such a fuck over, the, the problem isn't that your owners aren't rich enough and you need to, get a different billionaire the problem is you don't have enough people who know how to run a football club properly mm. and you need to sort that out before you worry about whether you can sign Erling fucking Haaland Haaland goes to Arsenal he never scores another goal
1: <laughs> it would be tremendously funny if it wasn't such an existential threat to everything else wouldn't it and that's, the, that's what really annoyed me about this
3: and that's where it's the stand up since we last spoke about it the way it's kind of um, come out that the, the the shift of strength where people like Agnelli, uh, he he resigned from being the chair of the European Club Association, and now Paris Saint-Germain's chairman has kind of sidled into that. I'll just take this over. And I know it sounds like a a toothless argument, because there's been the whole, should they be punished with points deductions question. And on the one hand, the vindictive part of me says, yeah, they absolutely should. The other part of me says, well, what's the fucking point? because points deductions for administrations or anything have never stopped anybody doing anything. They've just become something where you kind of factor them into when you're fucking up a football club. It's like, well, okay, so we, all the money drains out. We go into admin and we get the points deduction there. And then after that, it's not. it doesn't stop anything from happening. So it's kind of pointless. What could actually have a lasting influence is removing the power that they have on... I know it sounds... Removing them from a Premier League committee sounds like nothing, but it's suddenly... The other 14 clubs in the Premier League do have more power than this traditional six and are kind of saying, your debts are your problem. And just because Liverpool aren't going to get into Europe this season and they can't afford to to pay all their debts, it's not going to be Southampton's problem. So, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's probably a more meaningful change. Than it's probably a, where we're at, about where we're
1: at because they pissed everybody off. And it's liable that everyone's going to stick up a couple of fingers to them. Hey, never mind European Super League because we're heading to Europe anyway, aren't we? Look at that league table there. Uh, what we have got now? Forty-seven points, not too far. For Tottenham in our sights on fifty-three, and them to play. When we beat them at home, will put us. It'll put us within three points. I mean, they've got a child in charge.
2: I mean, we've got to get past Everton as well because yeah, we will do. They're five points with a game in hand, but I mean, they're not all that great, are they? Villa Villa lost as well, so they're a couple of points back now with a game in hand. I mean, it's. It's fairly unlikely, but seventh place gets us into the tournament. We don't know anything about the Vauxhall Conference, the Vauxhall Conference League yeah. in Europe,
1: and this is all because Man City beat Spurs, and it's pushed down the European places a little bit, hasn't it? Because they're obviously in the uh, the Champions League for next season, so we'll watch that one with bated breath. But quite frankly, uh, I'm quite happy to not be in the Vauxhall Conference League for I next would be season. A chuckle. It would be a chuckle, but I just I do fear for Bielsa's ideology and his dogma about having a small squad and we're flogging poor Ian Pervader to death in Albania
3: on a Thursday night. I think he tailors his squad size to the fixture list. I think if he was faced with a, a European competition he might look at uh, he'll look at the under-23s first and say well is Charlie Creswell ready to play in Europe? Have I got all the results I need here? And if we did need to add a couple I mean that's where it is it's you kind of balancing the budget of whether you're going to get enough money from the Conference League to pay for the players to play in it. His whole argument, uh, as Bielsa, Bielsa said, was... would really like to win it, though, and be the
1: inaugural winners, as
3: much as I've said I don't want to be in it. Looks well, like when I, I was adamant that we should win the Johnson's Paint Trophy and yeah. then uh, get promoted and never have to defend it. I still feel like that was a missed opportunity of our years in League One. But seriously, though, that table does look
1: really nice, doesn't it? To have 47
3: points, you know, all
1: things being equal, we should be north of 50, no problem at all.
2: We used to always have a table on this prep sheet, didn't we? When we were fretting over promotion, and it's it's been quite nice that we've just not had one for a while because we've been yeah. like, well, sort of in the middle. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes we go up a bit. Sometimes we go down a bit. I would
1: like us to get past Sheffield United's total of last year, just as an arbitrary petty thing.
2: I think we should do, shouldn't we? Another um, another seven points. That seems that seems achievable to match it, and I don't I don't see why we can't get another ten points this season.
1: Which is what Wolves got actually a couple of years back, wasn't it? They got fifty-seven. So um, can we pass them?
2: And I mean, Wolves did it. I know they didn't spend necessarily a huge amount when they got up. They just spent a moderate fortune, but they'd already spent absolutely hundreds of millions on that that club by that point. So, I'll
1: tell you what uh, we were talking about on the match ball about fans being back in. It's really given me an appetite now to get back in the stadiums. I think particularly as things are starting to return to normal in this country, it certainly feels like society is functioning again. And we saw fans in the... Uh, In the ground at Wembley, didn't we for the Carabao Cup final? And it just give you—did it not give you a little flutter where you thought, "Oh, that's what it sounds like"? And just to have those natural reactions rather than the canned reactions that are being done by the person with the buttons in the uh, in the truck.
3: Just because you've got your vaccination booked, you old man.
1: Hey, I've booked it at at Ellen Road as well. I could have had it a lot closer to home, but I thought, no, I want to get in Ellen Road. It's the closest I'm going to get for a few weeks.
3: It was uh, spring chickens over here. We have to wait a while. We're letting the uh, the old and infirm. (laughs) <laughs> go first Michael and myself still strong young virile <laughs> we'll wait our turn none of those things apply
2: <laughs> I must admit I've always been of the opinion when they've saying oh there might be a few thousand in for the West Brom game or when it, when it was kind of talked about the first time around before it all went to shit again I was always of the opinion like well it's fine I'll wait like I want it to be full but seeing it in the people in for Wembley at the cup final I did sort of think eh that does look all right actually maybe i maybe i wouldn't mind going into ellen road and seeing a game again but yeah it, it does make a huge difference it's weird how it made it it made it more watchable straight away just seeing some people actually moving around in the background i think as much as the the sound effects do kind of make a game more watchable there's something there's just something not right about it isn't it there's something on it's always slightly delayed. You don't get the ah when someone puts a shot wide and stuff and it's
1: and you don't get Sky TV as fucking
3: shit either. That's always missing from things. It feels like they've only lately as well kind of warmed up to the idea of letting us hear the players as well. That's kind of I've always if there's been the choice watched any matches without crowd noise. but it only seems like in the last few weeks that I've, I've heard more from Luke Ayling yelling at a, a Lions person to get their fucking flag up um, (laughs) I enjoyed that a great deal and those bits of dialogue seem to have been more to the the fore in the last few weeks and that I might miss that but the um, yeah the one thing about getting fans back in stadiums is to kind of start rolling back some of this stuff that like don't get used to the idea that um, you know we mentioned the other The other week that Agnelli had used a lot of this as kind of his excuse of like, oh, look at football during a pandemic. There's no, nobody goes to the stadiums. We can't even sell a ticket. Well, there's a reason for this and trying to to dissuade anybody in whose interest it would be for these changes to become permanent of having, you know, artificial crowd noise and games spread out so that they're being played Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday, Wednesday, it's a Premier League every night and all this six o'clock kickoffs and all that. Fans going back in seems like the first stage of sort of just stepping backwards from these silly little changes that yeah. they've uh, they've been bringing in. Yeah, those uh, weird
1: kickoff times are now starting to jar with me a little bit because people are doing normal
3: things. It made sense at first that, you know, people wanted to watch every game, but then it did rapidly kind of fade as to like what is the sort of, you know, the, the nation needs this boost of watching well, I suppose Burnley won 4-0, so maybe Burnley are now. They're, they're playing up to the, the thrilling nation saving grace billing that they always should have had. But there's no real reason for every Premier League match to be on it uh, a different time. I think it probably helps the broadcasters trying to get more eyeballs on the games for their advertisers than it helps a deflated, pandemic-threatened nation hold its, itself together as long as Southampton are playing Aston Villa I can make it through to the end of the week good to hear that Sol Bamba
1: is on the mend has completed his uh, his chemotherapy Phil Hayes spoken to him recently wish him the very
3: very best good article then unsurprisingly Sol Bamba is now the friend of every doctor and nurse who has treated him um, and will be keeping in touch with them all forever and they by the sounds of it they didn't want him to get better because they wanted him to keep coming in and having a, a fun time with them. One of the interesting things in that article was it was a little hint from Sol as well that he said after his first bout of chemotherapy it left him feeling so low and terrible that he kind of hid himself away because um, nobody wants to see a miserable Sol, he said, bless him. So he's he's made sure that people have only seen the uh, the upside of him. But um, yeah, it's a good article, it's a good interview. Phil Hay and Sol Bamber, that's gonna, always going to be worth reading.
1: Great double act. And we will be speaking to Phil... This week as well, catching up on the Phil Hay Show, getting his take on that Man United game and uh, getting some predictions in the bag as well. So, watch out for that on your podcast feed. Search out the Phil Hay Show. In the meantime, if you want to sign up for the Athletic uh, quid a month, you can get it for through our link, which is theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. <laughs> Well, we'll have a full Ellen Road hopefully next season and we can barrack the, you know, those really angry fixtures that we get, where we get those vicious rivalries like we saw at the weekend against teams like Norwich and Watford who've both been promoted. They'll be blistering. And do you know what, actually, I'm mean, joking apart, they will be brilliant because we can get back in there and we can celebrate our bloody heroes.
2: It's a bit championshipy though, isn't it, playing them too? Yeah, what, a bit beneath us. It's like I was looking ahead at the fixtures. Burnley on a Tuesday night still to come. I just think, don't make us play Burnley on a Tuesday night. That's really out of order. It would have been fun, though, if we could go to it. It would, yeah, in fairness. But um, yeah, I mean, I struggle to have much of an opinion on Watford, but they're up. Um, I mean, it's good from the point of view of Kieran Maguire, Price of Football, saying that apparently this is means there's £83 million coming back to Premier League teams because um, Norwich and Watford have come up and therefore don't require any parachute payments. And presumably that means if Bournemouth come up through the playoffs, that's a bit more money again. That we get, to yeah, yeah. So get let's spread around. What's
1: that? Say, one hundred and twenty million quid over two years. That's a good. It's what six million quid per team, something like
3: that. All counts, doesn't it? I guess. Let's True. not get. Let's not give it to the
1: lower leagues and help save the pyramid.
3: Well, it let's, wasn't let's, going to them anyway. It was just going in the pockets of Norwich and Watford. So let, let's trouser it as if we were in a super league. Norwich weren't going to share it with Ipswich, were they? So it's it's probably getting more shared around more by staying in the Premier League. This, it's being shared around people who also don't need it. Although Liverpool may dispute. So
1: we have got Watford, we've got Norwich, one more. And the playoff places have been confirmed. Brentford, Bournemouth, Swansea and Barnsley, the four. Who do you want?
2: Let Barnsley do it.
3: I saw the best um, theory on this because it is a little bit harsh on Pontus Janssen yet again. Maybe also Lewis Cook, although his ACL is an issue, God bless him. But um, Barnsley to come up and sign Pontus Janssen, bring him back to Yorkshire and let him play in the Premier League. That's the uh, that's the best possible result from this, I think. Because Pontus Janssen but he got sent off again, didn't he? He's not doing a very good job of getting himself promoted to the Premier League and fulfilling his lifelong dreams. So come on, Barnsley.
2: Pontus Janssen with, with Apo halma in the Premier League is like a, a weird glimpse of an alternative future, isn't it, that we, we could have had. <laughs> Alex
3: Moa in midfield. This mm. is it's that's genuinely the main reason I want them up, so we can have um Mowat and Phillips clashing in the Premier League. And I
1: know we don't have to concern ourselves with affairs of the lower leagues anymore because we are a Premier League a top half Premier League side pushing for Europe, if you like. However, you cannot help but cast your eyes towards the bottom end of the Championship and laugh at the absolute shit show going on down there. Just to point out, Sheffield Wednesday have got 39 points and have played 44 games. Admittedly, there's a points deduction factored into that, but we've played 33 games don't know if you've heard that's less or fewer rather and we've got more points than them in the Premier League
2: they're in a spot of bother aren't they Down yeah, right? rather, and yeah. it is a shame to see Rotherham are the one that can relegate Derby as well because one of Sheffield Wednesday or Derby they are going down now I think, I think technically speaking Huddersfield actually which is equally quite funny can still get dragged into this if Sheffield Wednesday and Derby decided not to be completely shit but that's not going to happen so it's going to be Derby against Sheffield Wednesday on the last day If Rotherham can win some games in between, it could be both of them going down, but it will definitely be one of them.
3: The real dream is, depending on what the permutations are, I'm really hoping the last day becomes something like there's only one possible result, like a a 3-3 draw between Sheffield Wednesday and Derby is the only result that can send them both down. And then, yeah, that's (sighs) what they managed to do. Somehow, like a last minute own goal, switches it from 3-2 to 3-3 and they both... Tom Lee's. No, not Tom Lee's. Bless him. I think he, uh, he should be. He should refuse to play in their remaining fixtures. <laughs> he's he's given half his life to Sheffield Wednesday, and what have they done? Now they're taking him into League One. He, uh, he should have been in the Premier League long, long ago.
2: And I mean, it was hardly a, an outrageous prediction. But when they gave Wade Rooney the job, we said it would end badly. I mean, it's not ended yet, but it's going badly. One win in the last thirteen for them. The Rooney way, hey. Yeah, well, he said he didn't want to be like Leeds, didn't he, when he got the job. So, well done.
1: And Stan Collymore, while we are blocked at the square ball from viewing his tweets, they do appear uh, via other accounts, and he has said he's speaking to people at Derby who has suggested that things are looking really, really bad in a financial sense.
2: I don't think he needed to speak to anyone at Derby for that particular insight. Yeah, exactly.
1: you know, it's always nice to pile the misery on them. And um, Is that because they had to talk to Stan Collymore? Probably, but I was going to say in, in a kind of bury sense of financial woe uh, that could finish them. Stan, I mean, Stan never noted for being melodramatic, but uh, he's suggesting that they could go out of business. It's
2: On
3: been, strings. That's
2: what that's what the rest Mel, of the
3: championship are. Mel Morris. Storming yeah. through the doors of Pride Park. Journalists, journalists, uh, j'ai regardé les account book libre, s'il vous plaît. Hey, looking ahead to next season, our midfield linchpin. Don't you have heard of this guy?
1: Like a new signing, Adam Foreshaw. Injured.
3: Yeah. Dr. Ben Parker was leading me up a right garden path saying on the commentary, oh no, that'll just be cramp. Rubbish. I'm yep. never listening. I'm never having my legs diagnosed by him again.
2: And the under 23s are on the beach already, aren't they? Failing to win games. They've given up, haven't they? Given up. Pathetic. With for sure.
3: <laughs> I don't think, I don't get the impression it was massively, you know, his hips haven't disintegrated again. I was watching it and he kind of, he, he didn't even pull up necessarily. He just sort of said, the back of my thigh is quite tight. I think I should come off, and obviously that's going to happen. And it's not unlikely that if you you haven't played football for two years and you're trying to come back, that that's muscles are going to ping. They're going to get sore. They might tear. As long as there are, there's enough sort of leftover bits from the the various operations that Rob Price is putting him through, hopefully he'll be okay.
1: However, we are getting an exciting Georgian and Winger, according to somebody on the internet. This this all came from a, a tweet that a bloke said it was an exclusive with the siren emoji, saying that we were going to sign this guy from Rubin Kazan. And I'd like what's his name? Well, I was going to ask Moscow to pronounce it because he's noted for his um, linguistic skills when it comes to pronouncing foreign names, like such as Real Betis, uh, among others.
3: I had uh, Iriuchi correct all the time. It was only until after we left that a kind of listener pointed out Stops that it's, clock. it's Yuski rather than Yasuki. So I was half right. Um, that research works. I was gutted as well because I did actually properly try to find out how to say Iriguchi. Could you stop buying time here He's and never, just, and pronounce this man's name? Kavitsha um, Kavaratskilia. I don't think I'm far off there. Kavitsha Oh, right, I think first it was, different. Sure I think I it was it different the
2: second time than the first.
3: Well, I'm I'm unsure in, uh, I mean, Georgie Kinkladsie was Georgian, wasn't he? And the, the K in Kinky was pronounced, so I'm assuming... I think it's a silent K, though, here in these. Oh, well, that makes it easier, then. So it's Hvitsche Vratzkelia. Well, is it the second K's got to be pronounced, Looks a bit it?
2: like Sheila at the end.
3: Maybe Real. that's what we call him, Sheila. Have you seen the YouTube reel? He looks good, doesn't he? Bloody well
2: does, doesn't he? Six foot five, quick, skillful. A six foot five winger? Yeah. Is he that big? He's an absolute mountain. He's got very long arms, I noticed, when he runs. They really flap around. A bit like those things you see at garages and car washers. Those mm. men in the, with their arms in the air. He's oh, got the, infl- sl- the inflatable. Yeah, he's got that kind of a running style about him. But <laughs> if they're that long, it's quite hard to get near him, I guess, if you're going to get hit by a, a flailing limb.
0: <laughs> you should celebrate yourself every day. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Big relegation clash coming up at the weekend against some of our divisional rivals, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. So why are we playing two teams? Doesn't seem to make sense.
2: It feels a long time ago now, doesn't it, that we were trying to get Ben White off them and they said, We couldn't have him. kind of forgotten about him now. I don't
1: love him anymore. Do you love him? I I still love him in a kind of sentimental team romance kind of way, but
2: we've moved on, haven't we? I still see him on Instagram now and then. He looks well.
3: I think that's mainly how I remember him for some strange reason. Although I watched him play every game and he was absolutely superb and looked like the, the new, I mean, wash my mouth out, but Rio Ferdinand was incredible for us and Ben White looked incredible for us as well. But when I remember him in my mind's eye, It's generally the holiday at the end of the season with Calvin and Tyler where he's just swanning around by the beach looking fit and tanned. And as a player, kind of. I think that's where it ends with him. I think that's the last thing he did in football was swan around in shorts on holiday with Calvin and Tyler. You do get a sense that he needs to move from there in order to kickstart his
1: career again. Not here though. Not coming here. We won't have him. I mean, he did want to come to Leeds. Let's not forget that. But his they a- all want to come to Leeds, Dan. But his agent didn't do the necessary dirty work to get him out, and Brighton held fast, and we didn't get him. So didn't want know. to sell him to a Premier League rival. But I do Perhaps feel that, that worked out. I do feel a bit sorry for him. I mean, I'm sure he's doing fine in life, but um, it does feel like he needs a move. And I'm sure he'll get a move eventually.
2: I mean, he he got a new contract at Brighton, and they're probably paying him like seventy grand a week or something. He's he's fine. He's absolutely fine. But yeah, Brighton seem to be going nowhere. They're, they're a strange team of Brighton. Every time I see them, they look fairly good. But they just lose and draw well, they've been every this, single week. But
1: they've been in this division, is it four years now? And I don't think they've ever got above, is it 41 points? That might be wrong. I haven't checked. But somebody did point this out to me, if you want to have a look. They've never really gone anywhere. And we've already passed their highest ever total. Maybe That might be West Brom. It's one of the two. But they're just here kind of just filling a space at the minute, aren't they? They're not like the mighty leads who are making waves in the division.
2: Well... Fans of XG will will know there is a thing called an expected points table as well, where it takes into account XG for and against. And according to that, they should be fourth, should Brighton.
1: So it calculates what games you should have won based on XG alone?
2: Yeah, essentially. So right. across the season. And I mean, Brighton do stand out a little bit because their goal difference is minus six, and that's higher than everybody else's in the bottom eight. So they, they are kind of a bit out of place. And something is obviously a bit strange there. But then that's the job of the manager to fix.
1: Yeah, just looking at this expected points table, that essentially marks them out as the most underperforming team in the division, doesn't it? And we're, we're performing slightly above where we should be. We should be 11th, shouldn't we?
2: I mean, it's probably not true. They're shouldn't. They're not. they not they are not a top four, top five team, are they?
3: They're a striker away from doing something much more than what they're doing. That's basically the problem. We've got Neil Mopay up front and he can't score for Toffee. It
2: does against Leeds, though.
3: Well, that's the risk, isn't it? And are um, their other problem, the way it seems to have panned out for them, because they keep losing to the teams down the bottom and getting better results against the teams from the top, like Leeds. And the problem is that the teams at the top assume they can go and beat Brighton, so they attack them. So they have more opportunity. So Malpe gets the 25 chances he needs to score one goal and they end up getting a draw away at, at a big club. But then they come up against the likes of Burnley or somebody who defend like shit against everybody. They just defend, 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 and there is absolutely no chance that they're going to get a, a a ball, any kind of goal through them. So they end up losing. So if they were this summer, if I was Graham Potter playing the Potter ball, I'd be looking at Millwall and I'd be asking them, "Name your price for Matt Smith," because they need somebody who can finish all the chances, some French, some French flair, yeah. And you know it's nearer to home for him. South Coast, he can just hop over on there. He could probably swim to uh, to Northern France. There's nothing he couldn't do.
2: Why and do you continue to lust after Matt Smith,
3: Goal scorer.
2: Not that many.
3: Well, Millwall aren't using him this season, but everywhere he's been is that because he's not very good? Leeds, Fulham, QPR goals, and you you're not you're telling me put him in this side who are strong according to HScore at creating scoring chances and weak at finishing them with their XG of ridiculous that he would not score more goals than Neil Mopé's eight.
2: Well he scored five in 34 this season as Matt
3: Seven starts.
2: Okay. Okay. Average
3: playing time per <laughs> game. I can't believe
2: you know his stats.
3: Average playing time per game, 32 minutes. That's what I mean about them not using him properly. He
2: agent,
1: Michael, you haven't um, seen him shirtless recently. That um, life-size Bataka tattoo that he's got on him is uh, is quite something else well, as well. How is, so.
2: ba- how is Bataka?
1: What's his numbers?
3: You must know. I'm not off the top of my head, no. You
2: won't ever want, you <laughs> won't be wrong, will you? Is he, is he in
1: your special Bataka folder at home? Is that where you write them all down?
2: He's probably still playing in Europe. Matt Smith's going to be 32 in summer.
3: Is that right? Jesus, I mean, that's how old Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> I think he's even yes, older. They, they've
2: got very similar career traje- trajectories. You're absolutely right.
3: Ibrahimovic has just signed a contract with Milan to keep playing until after he's forty. You can't I, tell me Matt Smith can't do the same. So
1: I fully expect Agnelli to pony up 105 million quid for Matt Smith in a year's time when he turns 33, like he did with Ronaldo.
3: Well, it's all about shirt sales, isn't it? Shirt sales in in France.
1: He actually does look like John Charles in passing does Matt Smith. So maybe they could do that. They could pass him off as like the the
3: reanimated the regen John Charles Charles, couldn't they? I mean it's an option but first he's got to go and save Brighton.
2: Did not expect to be talking about Matt Smith. No but he does find a way always doesn't he? In a Brighton preview. Um, Let's win
1: shall we? I think so. I think going back to one of the stories that we've kind of run through the season one of the threads has been fixing the mistakes of earlier in the season, losing to them at home was a mistake. That really, really annoyed me. We're better than that and hopefully we'll be better than that in this one.
2: It was probably the low point of the pitch, wasn't it? The Brighton game, as I remember it. It was really completely falling apart. The grass looked really long. We couldn't pass on it. And I know they did pass on it, which was a bit sneaky of them, to be honest, mm. to have to have come prepared for that. We can't be as bad as we were at home against them. because I think that might have been our worst performance of the season. It was very unleadsy, wasn't it? We just didn't get anything going and we weren't playing against a brilliant side. So we owe them one.
3: And if we are going on this run of winning every game between now and the end of the season and getting into Europe, then we need to keep it up against uh, Brighton. And there is a serious side to that and that we can't be getting all these good results against Scum and Liverpool and beating City and then go out and, and lose to Brighton, which, as we discussed previously, it does leave us with um, with no choice but going through the rest of the season um, unbeaten, possibly 100% record because anything less than that just makes... You'll be spitting in the face of the memory of Manchester City.
1: With the exception of Wolves who did the double honours, I'm just looking at the bottom half of the table at the minute. We've beaten every single one of those sides at least once, twice, some of them as well. So I feel like it would be good if we won this. And they're not completely off the hook yet for um, for relegation. There is still an outside chance that things could go against them.
2: Full well, um, are terrible though, aren't they? That's sort all- of... Going to save them as much as anything,
1: and then we could be picking up Danny Welbeck. Finally, comes home. He wanted the move, didn't he? Uh, it was when I, when we spotted him at that service station where mm. we were going to say, was it Heartshead Head? he was at just outside Bradford. That's the one. Yep, That's, it was. Uh, it's the only one that sprang to mind immediately.
2: You, uh, was that before he signed, or uh, was that when he was in tears when he he, he didn't sign? In the I end? think
1: they were in the Costa Coffee. Then they had secret talks. Mm. I said oh, secret. They were in Costa Coffee for crying out loud on the motorway service station. So uh, it was. Uh, I think you got um. Coconut Latte. Do we beat Brighton? Yes. Yes. I say yes, triple yes. I do think we're at our most dangerous towards ourselves when we get confident like this. That's the only thing that's worried me this year. The games that we go into expecting to win, we somehow bollocks them up, but I don't know. We've evolved since the first half of the season and I think we're better than that now. And if Rafa's back, we win. Just a question for you. Have you started any sort of new breakaway football competitions recently? No. Do you know anybody who has? A few few people, yep. Can you get in touch with them? But why? Well, because there might be a bit of suing for breach of contract. Might need some legal advice on stuff like that.
2: I see where you're going now.
1: Do you? <laughs> have I telegraphed it enough for <laughs> you now? <laughs> yes, Levi solicitors support the podcast and if you have contractual issues that you need to address perhaps in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. Give them a shout. Um, They support us and you can do them a solid by getting in touch with them if you do need some legal stuff uh, when it comes to moving house, conveyancing, stuff like that. An expert team, they're really, really good and uh, they've been on board with us for a while now. So please give them some love back. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball and they will give you 10% discount on your legal fees if you give them a shout. Final part of the show now, which is heroes and villains, the good and the bad from the last seven days. First, the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. Candidates, please, uh, what have our TSB Plus subscribers said to us about nominees for this?
2: Everyone said Craig Pawson, more or less. Charlie, Jeff, Nigel, Katie, Michael, Kimo, James, Jack, Kit, Rob, all of them wanted it to be him. It
3: does speak to what the atmosphere would have been like on Sunday if fans had been in the stadium. If that's just a... Uh, a handful of TSB subscribers multiply that by the thousands of people who would have been in the, the stadium.
2: I enjoyed Jeff as well pointing out that the man' new sense of entitlement that seeps from every diabolical pore <laughs> was nice because they've always had that haven't they that, that we sh- we should be allowed to referee this game. And to be fair they tried to give them their credit give them their dues they did. Kit also thinks it was a clear handball which prevented us from scoring which I didn't think it necessarily was but Paul Scholes did think it was a penalty so for once I'm going to Change my mind and agree with Paul Scholes. It was interesting to hear him talk about it actually because he said that it's a deliberate thing that he was maybe not trying to handball it, but he knew he had to stop it reaching the back post. And it was one of those where he's leaning in and probably hoping it hits his chest. And... Mo-
1: well, most of all, I enjoyed his incredulity at Michael Owens just barefaced fuckwittery because Michael Owens suggested that under no circumstances would somebody deliberately handball it there. Why would they
3: do that? And Scholes just says, well, to stop it getting to Costa <laughs> at the far post. Why would anybody ever commit handball? It seems to be going in Mike Lowins. It's interesting that you found that uh, interesting when Paul Scholes says it, but I make the same point on the match ball and you you apparently that just goes straight over your head until you hear it from the, the mouth of a, a, a ginger bollocked former scummer.
2: I've never seen your bollocks. So I don't know I don't know the state of things down there. But we have seen Paul Scholes' penis. Exactly.
1: So you know what you have to do, Moscow, if you want us to take you seriously. Talking about Sky, the Sky coverage versus the the international coverage, uh, Charlie uh, singled out the Sky commentary saying it's just always banal, never noticing the ref's poor decisions. They actually, on the international comms, who was it? It was Graeme Lasseau was the co-commentator and I can't remember who the... uh, Arlo White. Arlo White, that's who it was. And they got to a point in their um, their coverage of saying, oh, look, it's another free kick to Man United.
3: So there was a, a little bit of calling out the ref's poor standards. I watched the game again for some reason. I don't always get the time, but for some reason, whenever the game is terrible, I like to make the the trouble. Um, So I experienced uh, Jamie Carragher's disdain towards the end of this. And Elliot has pointed this out and a few other people, Philip as well, about well-known football purist Jamie Carragher bemoaning his fate having to watch this awful game. I had some sympathy when Luke Ayling attempted that crossfield pass at the end and screwed it up and Carragher just laughed. Like that was kind of, it was funny, but the the tone of his laughter was in this kind of ongoing story that this is the worst game that has ever been played. And at one point they were going, don't worry, don't turn off the League Cup finals coming up later. That will be worth watching. We're sorry about all this. Really? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twats. It wasn't that bad. And- well, a contrast that with Arlo White and Graham so who were saying this has actually
1: been a really engaging match. And it was, it was low in quality. And there were some really low quality moments like that, and there was a lot of conceding possession. But that was because of how we were set up against one another, and the fact that we
3: cancelled each other out. It was quite attritional, admittedly, but it wasn't a terrible game. That was basically Carragher's main complaint: is that the the quality, the the pass, passes going astray, and all this kind of stuff was meaning there was no there was therefore no interest or no excitement in the game. But you're right; it was gripping all the way through, and sometimes a low quality match can be like that because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, Luke Haling is going to just boot it to one of their players and they will run up and nearly score. That is in itself quite an interesting, exciting thing to happen in a game. It is funny in retrospect, and Luke Ayling, he posted a clip of it on Instagram um, with a message to Calvin Phillips saying, Calvin, you've got to read these passes, mate. <laughs> um, that's uh, the amusing side of it. But at the moment, there is some tension then. You can't just be sitting on the gantry at Elland Road laughing it up and finding a uh, I'm trying to shoehorn some spitting in the face of a child <laughs> reference but I can't so I'm just going to say he spat in the face of a child so uh, okay you've done it
1: um there with, it is. with reference to to Calvin Liam singled out the making of Luke Shaw as man of the match at Sky and he's put Luke Shaw question mark exclamation mark question mark exclamation mark He said Calvin battered his performance out of the park speaking speaking of battered maybe Luke Shaw I thought was maybe his attention was drawn away to the southeast corner and the chicken nuggets on sale at McDonald's. No? Was that a more tenuous well, joke? On the
3: other side, there's graveleys. So you want to be... I would have thought, Smelly. Why have you done a batter joke about McDonald's when the finest fish and chips in LS11 are, are right there? I wish I'd thought of that. I'm so disappointed in myself. Can I go back and do it again? No. Well,
2: I mean, you're in charge of the edit.
3: You do what you want, really. Oh, I can't
2: be arsed. I know we all overlooking Chico's. That's also in that corner. I don't know if it's any good, really.
3: I can understand Calvin Phillips not winning man of the match because much of what he did was off the ball, and it's quite—he um, was stopping Bruno Fernandez from playing, and so it's—it's it's difficult then to kind of pick him out and say he was the most dominant figure. Don't fucking give it to Luke Shaw, who did what did he actually fucking do? I don't know. Waddled around the place. All or... I can remember him doing is take throw-ins, and if I'm... that's what it takes, I'll have a fucking crack. I realise I am fat-shaming uh, a
1: man who is probably a rippling Adonis when he takes off his shirt versus this, whatever this thing is, that this shell that I occupy. But I am now going to uh, skull shame Harry Maguire, or rather Joe is, because he said he wants to nominate Harry Maguire because his head's fucking massive, which is, it's it's a fair observation.
2: Scott goes further to say he's got a head like one of those inflatable head syndrome patients on <laughs> Theme Hospital, which is a yes, That's a throwback for you. A throwback one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy Larkin just doesn't like his face. McGuire
3: had the temerity as well to shout at Fred that he was a fucking idiot. Which, I mean, if that's going to be... If they're going to start throwing that accusation around the Man United squad, it'll never end. Mm. I mean, it's a fair, takes one to no one observation though, isn't it? That one, schoolyard rules and all the rest
1: of
2: it. While we're slagging off individual scum players as well for um, their faces, Bruno Fernandes, he's got an entitled face, which was pointed out by Katie, uh, expecting a decision for every little tap. Um, And it was also pointed out by... uh, Phil, who's saying, spent most of the game in Calvin's pocket, then resorted to desperately diving, which was it was essentially. I mean, that is Man United's get out of jail free card, isn't it? In games that they just get a penalty when they can't score a goal, but it didn't scream happen and three. scream and fall over. Dan James was at it as well. I liked it when Phil uh, Phillips
3: just pushed Bruno Fernandez over. He was he was in the first half, quite early on. I think Fernandez was trying to make a joke. He's like, "Oh, you're going to be following me around all day, are you?" And so from the throw in, Calvin Phillips has left him on the floor. I was like, "Yes, yes, I am."
1: On other scum tips, Calvin has been singled out here as has Patrick Bamford for making the classic faux pas of of referring to the opposition from Salford as United uh, when, as Moscow said, we are United and we We are are the best. best. Uh, Simon D. Now, is this Simon's typo or is this um, an autocorrect thing? Because it says Kelvin Phillips
2: here. Maybe he's just trying to get his own back for the United thing.
1: Because Kelvin did say United in his post-match interview, which is a little careless. Loose lips, sink ships and all the rest of it. Ralph um, picked out both Phillips and Bamford because Paddy did it as well. Uh, He nearly threw up in
2: his mouth himself, he said. I assume Bamford will be issuing a full apology on the podcast.
3: If anybody does wonder why there is this kind of general resentment throughout football towards the Ship Canal swimming bastards from Old Trafford, it is that achievement, if you can call it that, of putting themselves in the position where people automatically call them United. On what basis? For what reason? And it's been as long as I've been a a football fan, since 1989, that that's been part of it. It's not even a, a recent thing. And prior to that, they were fucking terrible between Matt Busby and Alex Ferguson. And yet somehow it's been this kind of culturally acceptable shorthand that you call them United and every other United in the league does not get the same privilege bestowed upon them we should force them back into being called, they don't have to be Newton Heath anymore, but I think Manchester Heath, and then they can they can be referred Salford. to as... Salford, the, Heath. The Heath. Matt Heath. Oh, yes. The, I mean, they signed Tobin Heath, didn't they? So they're moving into that direction already. Just go, go the full way and let United be shared around the clubs who will happily, you know, I will freely acknowledge Colchester have all the, the claims on the name as we do. Newcastle too. I mean, there are clubs out there who predate them,
1: Sheffield United, who predate these idiots from Salford. Yep, and
3: we'll, we'll all accept that and, and share it around. They just need to get back to being some kind of Heath reference and then we can reclaim the name. A very specific one, this. Gary Lloyd needs to review some of his
1: own life choices and his eldest son, Carl, son of Lloyd. <sighs> I don't know if I could even say this.
2: Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know who's to blame here, but the son is, is a scum fan.
1: How has that been allowed to happen? I say this as somebody, my my little lad had flirtations with Tottenham. Is he interested in Tottenham anymore? No. Do you know why? Because I put in the hard work to turn him and the club shop are knocking out the kits for a tenner at the minute, aren't they, for kids? My little lad has said he wants one. Do you know why? Because it's a Leeds shirt. And that is because I twisted his little mind and made it clear that he would be cut out of the inheritance if he stuck with Spurs.
3: So is this what Gary Lloyd needs to do? He needs to get down to the club shop, buy a kid's shirt in the sale and Give it to his son. Give
2: it to his adult son, yes, and
3: get it get it changed around.
2: <laughs> I mean, if he's it's never too late. If his son is now a grown up, he should still convince him to change. And then, when he does, he should tell to me, he, "He's not allowed." You don't change your football team, exactly. You little scum bastard. <laughs> You're even more despicable than I ever thought possible. <laughs> On
1: a non scum tip, let's talk about some other candidates. Then Fernandinho, other side of Manchester, uh, he lifted the league cup. While well, our Rafinha is still broken. This was Philip who pointed this out to us. Shouldn't be allowed. Why isn't he in prison? You would think with the reaction to Liam Cooper's red card by those idiots that we featured on um, on Propaganda. Oh, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. He's nearly maimed Look at his him. Foot. Look can his foot. He's nearly maimed he's him. foot. He's so, sick in a bin. No consequences. We don't do
3: this about Webby or Neil, do we? No.
1: No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, Fernandinho has been allowed to go lift a trophy. can hold
3: the bin if they wanted to be sick in it. Punishment
1: free whilst our Brazilian... Drink
2: the contents of it, <laughs> if they ask you nicely. Whilst
1: while, while our Brazilian prince... Would sir like his bin <laughs> polished? While our Brazilian prince lays injured on the sidelines.
2: And we don't know how bad the damage on Helder Costa is either. That might be another one. He's probably got an Adam Falshard hip as a, as a result of that. So we'll not see him for the remaining couple of years of his contract. No justice of a niche reference here but Tom Cole wants to nominate Graham Potter it's fair enough letting Heckenbottom get his first win it's not on I kind of wanted Heck- I was desperate for Heckenbottom to I liked get him
3: being we out wins now
2: mm. he's we wins not yeah. too keen we have it to let delay happen
1: a 0% managerial record would have been spectacular so it's such a shame that that has been denied from the footballing world I
2: think he just about managed a point per game when he was manager for us didn't he 1.2 points a game or something so he, he can probably downgrade that I would say
3: we're points, we're out points, etc. No, I'm just hammering that now.
1: A nod in the direction of the Premier League as well, because they've um, done us harm and injury this week.
2: Well, they've started this Hall of Fame American-style thing, haven't they? The first people in there, Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry. Feels very personal. Like they've just gone, who's got the best record yeah. against Leeds? There's a good 20 years of grief there, definitely. <laughs> These two, all of the time we've ever been in the Premier League, the people who have harassed us the most, bastards.
3: Who's going to be the first Leeds player to get into the Premier League Hall of Fame? Because I can think of candidates, but I can't think of any candidate from Leeds that won't make the fans of other clubs furious, generally. Like Shearer and Henri, you can't really argue apart from the personal beef with Leeds and how awful they made things for us. Both, you know, I think you'd accept they they have an argument to go in there. I would say David Batty should be in the Premier League hall of fame easy try taking that to the rest of the of the watching public though and let's see how that goes down
2: Gary Speed might be allowed in I feel like he's he managed to remain fairly popular in the across across football in a way that in a way that Batty just he kind of rubbed people up the wrong way
1: yeah because he was he was always uh, a good combative player but he wasn't like a dirty bastard and you know he was uh, his longevity basically unlike
3: but, David Batty is that what you're saying I'm
1: not the saying he's be- a
3: dirty bastard
1: your words, not mine. I was just suggesting you. No, I was just suggesting that that's how other fans perceived him as just a clogger when we know he wasn't. He was a is a silky midfielder. But uh, yeah, speed all get in because he played for years and years, didn't he? So and various clubs, so he'll definitely get in. I don't know. Maybe you, you might see like decor Viduka maybe gets in there. Gary Max should probably get in as
3: well. But even then, I mean, you say Mark Viduka, but I can't see him getting a similar reaction to Alan Shearer from other clubs. Maybe because Alan Shearer was a bit better. By certain measures. Better at uh, painting fences. I think Ferdinand will probably be the first one. Nothing to do with us though. No, he'll be the first one with a Leeds connection. Well, that'll be it as well. Nobody will talk about how good he was for Leeds. It'll all about how great he was for Scum. So it'll be even more sickening. Who achieved nothing after he left us. They achieved nothing. Gary Kelly in his 500 matches.
1: Probably should get in there to be fair. given yeah, Again, you've gone about longevity. Danny Mills who kept him out of the team. This is concerning me more now than... I feel it should have done this just, This should have just been a throwaway
3: reference at the end of the Villain of the Week award but it's now taken over my whole life David Wetherill scored against the Scum several times didn't he so that's got to be worth something and kept Bradford City up who else has managed to keep a team stave off from relegation and get another team into Europe on the same day with the same goal get David Wetherill in there Brian Dean will get in there because he scored, the, scored f- the first, first goal game. in the Premier League but again the, the whinging that will come is that, oh well but what did he do for United <laughs> <laughs> It was against them as well, wasn't it? The it first was, yeah. so, it was a fucking anti-United agenda. You get Brian Dean in there before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I want you fucking playing that. Who's your uh, Ken Bates villain? Of- for Sheffield United. They fucking went down and they went to Leeds. They were shit. Who's your Ken Bates villain of the week? I think Parson probably deserves it on sheer numbers. He should be in the fucking Premier League Hall of Fame. Greg Parson is one of our best fucking
1: players. On to the Andy Hughes Hero of the Week award. Now then, someone who's done uh, far better by us in the last uh, week or so. Plenty of nominations from within the squad, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. Bielsa's been nominated as well. Katie just says Bielsa has to win for me. To so go from a 6-2 drop into to holding our own in our house, I think all of us would have taken that a couple of months ago. Fair point.
2: And Joe just says, because he's fucking ace, <laughs> which is true.
3: And he did upset Jamie Carragher. I think that's kind of part of his upset during the commentary, was he turns up to Elland Road expecting some kind of circus of goal scoring and and fun and he has to actually sit and watch a football match bless him I don't think there's been that big a change from where we were earlier in the season that we have not suddenly gone incredibly defensive but there's, there's enough there that people are kind of they have to they have to think again about what they knew about Leeds United and I don't think Jamie Carragher likes thinking
1: uh, Manus Liam uh, Michael Chemo, Jack all singled out Calvin Phillips for hero nominations Michael also adding that the the centre halves were very very good. That's where the game was. Um, I was going to say won for us, but we didn't quite win it, did we? Uh, but that um, that triangle
3: there in the middle. All our centre halves were good, including Robin Koch on the substitute, and I thought Liam Cooper was uh, performed well sitting in the stands. So credit to every single one of them. Phillips is a, a fifth cent- centre back at times. Melier last line of defence, a sixth centre back.
2: Liam Cooper is still suspended for Brighton, isn't he? Three
3: matches. Yeah, I mean, three you, matches. Yeah, you saw the tackle. It's the oh, least,
1: the oh, least he deserves. Don't make
2: me think about it.
1: <laughs> hey, we need to give some love to the left back as well. Um, Tom Clayton said he played really well recently and stood up against uh, against scum. I mean, Tom Cole. I, I wonder if there is a bit of damning with faint praise here because uh, he singles out the Macedonian Megan Rapino, Jannie Alioski. Ever since these Galatasaray rumours have surfaced, he's got better some good last-ditch challenges and blocks over the last few weeks. Mm, questionable decision-making still, though. But anyway, he says, I still want to spend 15 million quid on a new left-back, though.
3: <laughs> he's not playing like somebody who looks who is about to screw us over, is he? So if he ends up making a, a poor transfer uh, decision in the summer, it will be even more disappointing. But at the meantime, all we have to go on is he's running, Is I mean, he's... Pat Bamford's running so hard that he's sick in his own mouth and um, Alioski's hair has turned white. That's the effort he's putting in for us.
1: Uh, Ralph Andy and Rob all picked out Strauch. Uh, Gary Simon, Ad, Sham, Philip and Phil all mentioned Llorente specifically. And I did like this one um, from Philip who said Urente in the absence of Rafinha is kind of our, our flair guy now. He's one more Cruyff turn away from just giving a knowing look down the camera lens like in the office, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, dare I say it, but he's a bit like watching Cantonar play in defence. Oh, you see, you were doing so well. You were doing so well. I had to drop in the Cantonar bomb, the C-bomb.
2: I enjoyed Gary Lloyd's uh, description. Madness in his eyes, Midas in his boots, heart in mouth. Ailing
1: got some love as well. Simon, Sarah and, and Scott, and also the volley of abuse he gave the lines person was good. And from the playing staff to the, to the boardroom, Victor and Angus have both been given a little bit of attention by other people. Michael, you said they looked like they were attending a wedding. I quite liked the white roses.
2: I wondered if I'd been a bit harsh. Maybe it was a nice touch when I was, but it's just a bit. It's just a bit odd. You don't normally see people attending football games with flowers stuck to them, do you?
3: Well, it was the Roses Derby, isn't it? They're getting into the spirit of things. The, the fans can't be there, so we will frighten the visiting team with flowers. The last thing they wanted to see.
2: We <laughs> get them with hay fever, and we have heard a report of a um, Victor Arthur's behaviour as well from the Liverpool game, where. Um, he was described as. Um... Is
1: this the the Liverpool Echo this was in, wasn't it?
2: It was, yeah. It, so from...
1: can you make sure it sounds like correct as the Liverpool Echo <laughs> is printed in scouse. It's is it a special paper? Such a special paper. I
2: think I got this off the special website actually. Um, it says nothing. Nothing can compare to the volume and sheer annoyance value of Leeds's director of football Victor Orte. Who's taken it upon himself to form a one-man supporters group in the absence of fans. Indeed, at one point. He was responsible for a noise that could only be described as having the same anguish as a man passing a particularly sizable kidney stone. And then the last line? I hope he's okay now, Like. Like actually made
3: it into print, which is exactly <laughs> how scouse the Liverpool Echo, was of, over this. A
1: kidney stone that they would then go on to throw through the windows of the Real Madrid coach.
2: And in addition to um, Victor, we obviously have Angus, now known for his his sassy programme notes where he likes to Throw a bit of shade on people, as the kids would say. Talks about us as well, trying to be cool. Exactly. Although he did credit us wrongly, didn't he? For, yeah, uh, we said. For the old handbrake off. Handbrake thing. off, engine running. Handbrake off, engine running thing, which was which was not ours. It was Matt, Matt who said that,
1: yeah.
3: Fine and wonderful listeners, not getting the credit he deserves. So we look forward to a correction being printed in a forthcoming edition. Either that or it would just get slagged off
1: like everybody else Angus writes about. What's this doing in here then? What's Phil playing at?
2: Nominating Gary Neville. Is it Phil Neville? <laughs> he says... That's not the surname given, but, I mean, it could well be. But yeah, pains me to say it, but Gary Neville was brilliant rallying the troops with his emotional speech. That was that was last week, Phil. It kind of was last week, yeah. It was last week. We're not having that. you ever think about what
1: you've done as well? There's been too much scum-loving in recent weeks, so thanks for your contribution.
2: <laughs> it seems appreciated that you took the time out to get in touch. Uh, do we have a, a Hero of the Week? There's one more nomination oh. from... Um, from Scott White who nominates Hugh Jenkins essentially for for not picking up the phone on that evening we were trying to sign uh, Daniel James continues to play like a diving youth league weenie boy (laughs) who cannot finish
3: Would you like to see Daniel James fighting Jan Pervader? Because they seem quite evenly matched in terms of physique but I reckon Pervader would tear him limb from limb
2: Yeah, definitely
3: and it would be great I can't be the only person who
1: thinks that Bielsa will still do, get a far better tune out of Daniel James than Ollie. Well, this is it. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer.
3: There was a report earlier in the season about how Michael Cuisson has not been doing much for Marseille since he, he took his gammy legs there. But the Bielsa factor is always got to be taken in. But then again, you do wonder as well if you can't overplay that sometimes because, I mean, Helder Costa has not turned into a loudrup over the last couple of seasons, has he? So. You never know, but it's hard to imagine how Daniel James could be any worse. So you'd assume he would be much better. But I say we just feed him to Jan Paveda.
2: Hero of the week, Calvin. I'm going to say because I think he deserved man of the match from those corrupt bastards at Sky.
3: I'm leaning towards Urente. Have you got sore like? <laughs> Dear me! Like I've walked into a Too Ronnie sketch. <laughs> Do you know?
1: <laughs> Dear me, sorry. Who sold you them shoes? Do you not think Llorente, over the last few weeks, has been ramping up his performances? And that there's a, like I said, there's a certain amount of uh, performance art about what he's doing with the Cruyff turns. And the fact that he's you know spoken about how much he's enjoying it. Actually, I can have it because Calvin did the United thing, didn't he? That's true. We can't reward that kind of behaviour. So Diego Llorente is our Hero of the Week. The Andy Hughes Hero of the Week. Nice one. And we'll sign off there. Then we'll just point you in the direction of TSB Plus if you're not yet signed up. You want the full TSB experience? It's over at the squareball.net forward slash plus. We'll catch you in a bit.
0: Bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands.